It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Each of you are treasured. You're valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And thank you to this uh, team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday, producer Steve. You know, <clears throat> I was just sitting here trying to figure it out. You you get to Monday, you hunker down, and you get into the zone, I guess. There's no other way to say it, the zone of the work week. And before you know it, Friday's here. It is. I can't believe that how fast time is going. It's the 11th of February. And tomorrow is February 12th, obviously, and that is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Do you remember back in the old days when uh, you actually celebrated Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday on their birthdays, and then everything got clumped together in President's Day? And I wonder if that was maybe the first step at uh, kind of chipping away at our history, because in President's Day, maybe not all the kids now now know that it was really an honor of of President Lincoln and President Washington. Well, your old days are different from my old days because you weren't actually in school with Lincoln. But uh, <laughs> oh, bada boom! <laughs> uh, yes, right. But uh, but hey, I, um, I think you're right. Uh, that might have been the beginning. You know, uh, another little way of chipping away at history. I, I think so. And uh, people are awake now, and not woke, but people are awakening to what has been going on and people are people are stepping up when when we talk about at the normally the beginning of the show when i say you were made for this moment we are we are made for this moment producer steve but um we've got a great show planned today so i'm going to stay on task first of all check out our website that is kim munson m-o-n-s-o-n.com sign up for our weekly newsletter there you can email me at kim at kimmunson.com as well and thank you to all of you who support us uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues th- through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do that. And it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, or this latest silent thief and that is government-induced inflation. And Steve, you saw that headline yesterday. We've got it on the, on the outline. Patty put it on from the Washington Post. Prices climbed 7.5% in January compared with last year, continuing inflation's fastest pace in 40 years. If we keep this up, and our money's not going to be worth anything, Steve. Well, I got a brutal lesson, uh, and I don't want to take any time. We are like the Egyptian mummy. We are pressed for time. But uh, I'm on Medicare now. <laughs> I got my uh, quarterly bill, if you will, and it went up substantially. So I, I checked with two qualified people to you know, give us an answer on that. And Social Security, we got a raise. But it turns out that the reason Medi- my Medicare bill went up is that they need to take some of that back. 
the government giveth and the government taketh away, Steve. That's why we need to lower taxes and rules and regulations so people have more of their own money in their pocket and can decide what they want to do with that. And uh, I know we're going to get Danielle Green on the show with Kirsch Insurance Group. They're specialists in the Medicare arena to talk about what's going on because a lot of people are getting a very, very awful surprise. And check out to Kirsch Insurance Group. Their website is iKirsch, that's I-K-I-R-S-C-H dot com. And talk to Danielle and the team over there about this because very possibly they can help you out with this. Okay, let's go to our quote for today. And since it is Lincoln's birthday tomorrow, I decided to go to President Lincoln for his quote. And this, um, well, Abraham Lincoln was an American lawyer, statesman. He was the 16th president of the United States. And he was born in, on February 12th, 1809. He died in 1865. And this is what he said. He said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Boy, Steve. My question is, how did he know? And, I, and I'll answer the question because he was an incredibly deep thinker. And he, he saw what the potential was for, you know, for a, an electorate that was asleep at the switch type of thing. So uh, who knows? You know, maybe there's a, you know, it's our charter to stimulate more people to think as deeply as Lincoln. Well, and, and yes, he was a deep thinker, but also he was an avid reader. And when we talk about reading, at the end of the show, when I say read great books, uh, we only have a certain amount of hours in the day, and we choose what we do with those those hours. And so we can watch mindless TV, we can read mindless books, uh, we can spend hours and hours on social media, yeah. or we can read great books. I know I sound like a mom here, but I'm going to ask Mary Alpers what she thinks about that. Mary Alpers, Three Points Financial, what do you think about great books? Oh, I love them. I majored in English literature. <laughs> <laughs> so you know all the great books. That's awesome. Yes. I didn't yes. know that about you. Yeah, I moved over to finance um, a little bit later, but um, yeah, my love was... Um, literature we had books everywhere in our home and we were really encouraged to read i'd love to go to the library so yeah that i think it's great i think you remember things you read i think so and i still love holding a book mary alpers and actually turning the pages i do too i do too i i do have a kindle because when i go on vacation then i can take whatever i want in a little tiny thing but I do. I often, if it's a book I really like, I'll go ahead and get the book. Um, but I, I did want to mention something today about, um, last week we talked about functional asset allocation, and I said that I would be going through the different ones, and just um, I want to keep the, the time really well used. But today I wanted to talk about bonds, because they, I think people think of them it's kind of the mystery part of, and the boring part of a portfolio. They don't matter. You know, let's get the rate of return from stocks. You know, how is the market doing? And you don't hear a lot about bonds. And one of the things that I think is really important is for people to understand that they're a key part of your portfolio. Um, they're basically the safety net and hopefully at some point the income stream that a lot of retired people live on. And so when you talk about functional asset allocation, they are um, most assets for investment fall into either stocks, 
in some fashion, or bonds and cash in some fashion, or real estate. And bonds and cash, to lump them together, is called fixed income. And what it is is when you have a bond, not cash, but when you when you invest in a bond, you're essentially lending money to the holder of the bond with the idea that you're going to get back an interest or dividend repaid is some part and also the principal. So it's somewhat more known, and so it depends on the health of the bond, or they could be guaranteed by the government, such as the U.S. Treasury or even a CD. And um, they're meant for a level of security to provide this income stream eventually. But even young people, um, I we never recommend 100% in the market because the volatility, as everybody sees now, is can be very disheartening to a young person who starts out to invest and then they go through a season where they basically lost everything they put in and then that also can create uh, consumer debt because people may go out and borrow money because their market didn't the market didn't do what they thought it should do. So mm-hmm. functional asset allocation really has to do with balancing your portfolio to avoid mistakes and to build long term wealth. And obviously, right now, the the biggest threat to the fixed income side is inflation and low interest rates. But we, we at um, Three Points Financial even have ways to work around that. So Steve and I are both um, certified financial planners, and our philosophy is to work very closely with clients um, and implement a functional asset allocation between all of their accounts based on their um, age, their level of wealth, and their goals, and their timeline. And once we do that, it takes away a lot of the uncertainty. And so as boring as bonds may look and CDs, once once a client understands their purpose in a portfolio, they're more than happy to have the appropriate amount not in stock. Wow. Mary, that makes so much sense. And I love what you and Steve do there at Three Points Financial. You look at the whole person and uh, you're a fee, fee only. So you and, and you're, you can help with tax planning and investments and retirement. Um, but I learned a lot about bonds just in these three minutes here. So how can people reach you, Mary Alpers? Well, they can call us at... Um... 719-495-7163, or better yet, go to the website, threepointfinancial.com, and fill out a document under Contact Us, and we will schedule a, um, a meeting to get acquainted and then go from there. Fantastic. Again, that's Mary Alpers, Three Points Financial. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye. And we'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed 
that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute, to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force force versus freedom. We've got a, a great guest in the third and fourth segment, John Eastman, Trump's attorney, uh, Dr. John Eastman. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, January 6th, Mike Pence, and then also this lawsuit here in Colorado to get to a point where we have Republicans vote in Republican primaries and Demo- Democrats vote in Democrat primaries. So that'll be a very important conversation. Um, hey, Steve, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. I may turn it on. There's no way I can sit there for the whole time and watch watch the whole thing. But um, if you are going to watch the Super Bowl, Hooters Restaurants is the place to do that. And they have five locations. That is Loveland, Westminster, Aurora, Lone Tree, and Colorado Springs. You have to be present to win. But they are going to do a drawing at each of the locations for a big screen TV. So Hooters Restaurants is the place to watch the big game, Producer Steve. Did it specify? Was that a 65-inch big screen? Uh, it is a 65-inch. Okay. Uh-huh. Wow. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, wanted to just quickly mention before we get to Bill of the Day, I cannot believe what that we're, we're seeing the, the veil come off on the tyrants on this whole Canadian truckers thing. And remember, uh, GoFundMe said that they were uh, going to, basically, they were going to keep the money and donate it to a charity, I guess, of their choice. And then there was a big brouhaha about that. So they said, okay, we'll give the money back. There's this Christian-based uh, uh, organization. It's called Give Sin Go. And so they, uh, the truckers have been, they've been raising money for the truckers there. I think, think they've raised over $8 million. And get this, Steve, the Ontario government says it has successfully petitioned a court to freeze access to millions of dollars donated through online fundraising, the, uh, um, through the online fundraising platform Give Sin Go to the convoy that's protesting the COVID-19 uh, restrictions in Ottawa and at several border crossings. I tell you what, the veil is off on these tyrants, Steve. I don't get Trudeau. He's paying no attention to what's going on in the country to the south, meaning right here. Blue state governors all over the U.S. are letting up on these restrictions and other places in the world. And Trudeau acts like, no, no, we, we've got to press on. And uh, it's just incredible. It, it is. Mar- it's it's uh, remarkable. I uh, want to get, get over here to the bill of the day. It's House Bill 221151 Turf Replacement Program. Representatives Mark Catlin, Republican, Dylan Roberts, Democrat, and Senators Jeff Bridges, Democrat, and Cleve Simpson, Republican. So it is bipartisan. However, this is not the proper role of government. Uh, and what it is, it says, concerning measures to incentivize water-wise landscapes and in connection therewith creating a state program to finance the voluntary replacement of irrigated turf. 
And uh, basically, Steve, they're going to pay people to not have lawns. If you and and I, I I find that hard to believe. And when we were doing the pre-call, you and I both know that actually Colorado is in the High Plains Desert, so water is a challenge here. But we have been doing lousy water management for years and years and years. <laughs> Yeah, is in the High Plains Desert and always has been. It just didn't happen, you know, a year ago or something. And $2 a square foot, where does that money come from? Exactly. But again, bad public policy has got gotten us to this point. And for years and years, we've not been able to build any reservoirs when we have good years. Uh, I think with creativity and, creativity and innovation, we can, we can actually address these problems. But uh, Polis wants to have all this growth up and down the front range. And you look at these apartment buildings, think about how much water that takes. But we've been subsidizing that through economic development. And then um, I know Douglas County is trying to figure out water, uh, which is important. That is the job. But again, we've had bad policy for so long. And now former Governor Bill Owens and his uh, former chief of staff have a for-profit company. And they're down in the, the San Luis Valley. Uh, my understanding is uh, uh, trying to buy the water down there. So this is a real challenge. And uh, we need to keep an eye on that, Steve. I just want to know what happens when the people of San Luis Valley rise up and say, no, you can't have it. Let's see what happens then. Yeah, so we need to we need to get to better water management in this particular state. Um, but we've got a big, big show planned for you. And so we're going to go to break. When we come back, a, a very important conversation with uh, Dr. John Eastman. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. I am thrilled to have in studio with me Dr. John Eastman. You know him. He's Trump's attorney, or was Trump's attorney, I guess I should say. Uh, and also, you're in Colorado right now. You're co-counsel uh, on this lawsuit regarding open primaries. You're a busy guy, John Eastman. Well, you know, it's uh, there are only so many hours a day, but I seem to manage to try and fill every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking, somebody said that um, I think it was Betty White she only slept about five or six hours a night and she what she died just almost at a hundred years old and I'm thinking she must have lived two lifetimes doing that you know yeah or yeah maybe even three <laughs> I, I do some of my best thinking in the middle of the night when I'm asleep and my brain is active and I wake up and I write things down <laughs> so, so I, I 
I don't even get my sleep time off, unfortunately. <laughs> well, there's a lot going on in our country. And the first thing I'd like to address is shortly after January 6th, and you were there, Trump's attorney. Uh, I drove up to Boulder at the time you, uh, well, I guess you were no longer, well, you were kind of the CU uh, professor, uh, visiting professor of conservative thought and policy, but that's a whole different subject. But we did a podcast. And what I have heard former Vice President Mike Pence talking about out there isn't the same thing that you and I talked about regarding uh, that you did not tell him that he had the constitutional authority to overturn the election. But that's a narrative that I've at least seen in headlines, John. Well, that's right. I mean, that was uh, there were clearly people around the country that were making that claim that the only authority to determine the validity of electoral votes on the joint session of Congress rested with the vice president under somewhat ambiguous language of the 12th Amendment. And, and, and in that meeting in the Oval Office on January 4th, uh, Vice President Pence turned to me and said, do you think I have such authority? And I said, Mr. Vice President, it's an open question. I happen to think this is almost a verbatim quote. I happen to think it's the weaker argument. But even if you had such authority, it would be foolish to exercise it in the absence of state legislatures having certified alternate slate of electors, having looked at the election in their own states. So the ultimate advice that we gave to the vice president was that he accede to requests from those state legislatures to simply delay things for a week or 10 days so that these legislatures that were now coming back into formal session, their governors having refused to call them into special session to deal with this, could actually deal with it and assess the impact of what everybody acknowledges was illegal conduct of elections, elimination of signature verification requirements in Pennsylvania and in Georgia, uh, elimination of voter ID requirements for absentee ballots in Wisconsin. Uh, All of these kind of things violated not only state election law, but because those laws were enacted in presidential electoral races pursuant to federal constitutional authority, they violated the Constitution's requirements that the legislature, not unelected officials or even and elected executive officials get to determine the manner for choosing electors. Everybody admits that that went on. The question is, was it a, 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 did the impact of that affect the results of the election? And that's what the legislatures had begged Pence to allow them to do. Now, I understand why they put out this false story leaked to the New York Times the next day that, uh, well, we were asked to just simply declare Trump reelected. That's what dictators do, because that looked like he was being asked to do something egregiously unconstitutional and, and inappropriate. When, when what he was actually asked, uh, as the New York Times itself inadvertently eight months later uh, acknowledged, was simply to delay things to let the state legislatures have a review of this. That was perfectly reasonable, given what we knew. Uh, but, but, you know, exceeding to that re- reasonable request would not have vindicated him well uh, for 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 him his inaction. Um, look, the, these provisions in the Constitution, though normally uh, don't create any controversy, are there for a reason. Um, and, and it's simply not true that the vice president doesn't have any role. And I'll give you one good example. If there are two slates of electors, as almost happened from Florida in 2000, 
both of them sent, both of them certified by different authorities in the state, somebody has to make the judgment of which of those two slates to accept. Florida doesn't get to count double by having both of them counted, right? right? So, so implicit in the authority to open the ballots is which ones do we open? Implicit in the authority that the ballot shall then be counted is do we assess the legality of those certifications? Um, and that's been well understood in the scholarship for decades until this hyperpartisan dispute arose now. And now everybody is saying, oh, no, no, there's no authority. Oh, they're just there for ceremonial reasons. Well, that's not true. And, you know, we explored all of those ideas, those scholarly ideas, the historical precedents in that very important meeting on January 4th. And uh, somebody in that meeting leaked a false story to The New York Times. Uh, and Vice President Pence leaked a, uh, published a false statement uh, on Wednesday morning that he had been asked to simply overturn the election. That was not true. What's disappointing is I, I am seeing him out there now uh, continuing to push that. And uh, so I, I want to back this up just a little bit because right after January 6th, there were a number of people on, on both sides of the aisle very disappointed on on the Republican side that basically said, no proof, nothing to see here, move on. And Eight, 80 courts have looked at it and rejected all of the evidence and rejected all the claims. I mean, you heard that, that meme as well, right? It's just not true. Uh, of the 80 courts that looked at this, almost none of them actually looked at the evidence. They were dismissed on standing grounds, on other jurisdictional grounds. My favorite is one action was brought before the election for illegalities in the conduct of election that had already been announced, and the court dismissed the action because it wasn't ripe. Until we actually get to the election and we find the illegality occurred, do I have a cause of action? And then the case is rebrought after, in fact, the illegality occurred, and the judge, and the judge said, you can't wait till your guy loses to challenge <laughs> these illegal conducts. It's a doctrine called latches. So if you brought it too early, it was kicked out on ripeness. If you brought it too late, it was kicked out on latches grounds. And in almost none of those cases were the actual merits of the claims, the illegality and the fraud ever considered by the courts. Uh, and, and, and those half a dozen or so courts that did consider them, 75% of them went Trump's way. But you never see that in the, in the reporting of this. Uh, it, it, the the, the propaganda to shut down the truth is just stunning. It's the kind of thing one would expect to see out of Stalinist Russia, and yet it's happening in this country on a daily basis. Well, and John, again, I'm I'm not a, a, a an attorney or constitutional scholar. However, I have re- studied and read quite a bit. But the way, as I've really thought about this, is the election is what was it November third? Okay, November third, and then the uh, the electors. Uh, what was the December seventeenth? December fourteenth. The electors 14th. met. Electors met, and some of these states had two different sets of electors, right? Well, so we need to be very clear. Uh, there, there, there was pending litigation in, in seven states um, uh, that had not resolved election challenges. So what happened on December 14th is the certified Biden electors met 
and cast their votes. But the uncertified Trump electors met and cast contingent votes. Should those uh, election challenges produce an alternate outcome, we will have met on the statutorily required day and cast our votes so they can be there to be counted. This is not something that was made up. It's exactly what happened in Hawaii in 1960. Uh, Vice President Richard Nixon won Hawaii on Election Day, but there were election challenges pending. Um, So on the certification day, the Nixon electors met and cast their vote, but the John Kennedy electors met and cast conditional votes as well. And when those election challenges uh, demonstrated or were found to have demonstrated, whether they actually did or not is an open question, uh, demonstrated that Kennedy actually won the election, then those electors were certified uh, and transmitted to Congress to be counted. And Vice President Nixon counted the Kennedy electors rather than the ones that had been certified and, and counted on the designated day because they were there available because they had met on a contingent vote uh, to cast their election. Okay. Nothing fraudulent about it is the new claims that the folks down in Georgia or Pennsylvania you know, uh, committed fraud by casting their electoral votes. That's just simply not true. And again, another false narrative that's being put out there. Okay, so let's think about this timeline, though. November 3rd's the election, and there's all kinds of questions. That's just what I'll say. All kinds of questions. We get over here to December 14th on the certification, but it's legislatures, state legislatures, that are in charge of their elections in their state. So November 3rd, many of them are not in session. Colorado, they're not in session. They do not go back into session until after the first of the year. And, and and then we're hearing, nothing to see here, move along, nothing to see here, move along. But so I think it's perfectly reasonable, the advice that you gave to Vice President Pence to just take a pause, let these legislatures get back into session, because many of these governors, as you said, would not call special sessions, so that they could take a look at it. It was just a pause. That's all you asked for, correct? Yep. And and, and my, my infamous memo, what they call the coup memo, this is laughable, the, 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 you know, I set out all 11 different scenarios on how things might play out. One of the scenarios was for the vice president to act like a potted plant, open the ballots, count them, and certify the election, right? So, you know, I mean, that was one of the scenarios. And if you do that, then Biden wins. One of the other scenarios was delay this, send it back to the legislature. And if they determined that whatever illegality occurred was not sufficient to affect the results, we are confirming the certification of Biden. Biden wins. That was another scenario presented in that Mm -hmm. memo. But, of course, you know, that's not the juicy stuff, right? Right. Right. The other scenarios were what happens if, in fact, the illegality is proved and of such a substantial character that it affected and we can prove that it affected the outcome of the election. What then? And at at that point, in my view, the legislature resumes its power under Article two of the Constitution to determine the manner of choosing presidential electors because the manner that they had set out previously was not complied with and the power resolves to them. And they could either call another election or they could say, given the evidence we have, we don't need another election. We know who won this one and issue a new certification. And then at that point, it goes back to Congress, the joint session of Congress. They meet before January 2nd to complete their work before the constitutionally designated day of the new inauguration. And they say, here's what the now votes are after we've had a chance to look at this. Um, And maybe the look at didn't, you know, didn't materially change things. And then Biden gets certified, but with a greater degree of comfort by the losing side than we ever got. 
Um, and that's all that he was asked to do at the end. And he refused. He simply refused. He said, no, I'm, I'm told that all I can, all, I'm just here, you know, a ceremonial picture on, this, on the cereal box. Just like open them up. I don't even have to open the envelope. Somebody else does that for me. They show them to me and I say, OK, Biden wins. I, I, I'm sorry. Our Constitution doesn't, doesn't make such mockeries of something as significant as the legality of a certification that had been mm-hmm. transmitted. And, and the question is, in the, and, and, and Pence's memo on the morning of January 6th acknowledged, acknowledged the multiple examples of illegal conduct in the election. And yet he said, I don't have anything to do about it. Uh, I'm just going to have to, you know, accept the certifications without ever looking behind that curtain. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Our leaders are given greater responsibility than that. And he simply abdicated on that responsibility. Well, that's what I have determined as just a regular person. Uh, but I appreciate you clarifying that. I'm talking to John Eastman, Trump's attorney. He's uh, in Colorado right now because we also have a, a lawsuit going on regarding our open elections. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, Kirsch Insurance Group is a another great partner of the Kim Munson Show. They're specialists in the Medicare arena, and uh, they work with a lot of different companies, so they can actually help you get the best plan that works for you. So check out their website. That's ikirsch.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. We'll be right back with John Eastman. And on the line with me is one of our great partners. That is Hal Van Herkey. He and his wife, Linnea, are the owners of Castlegate Knife and Tool. They're true entrepreneurs. And Castlegate Knife and Tool is located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. Hal Van Herkey, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. It's good to be here. So what's the latest at Castlegate Knife and Tool? Well, we've got um, we've done an excellent job of continuing to get new uh, knives and new uh things for people to look at every time they come into the store. We got back from our largest buying show earlier in the year. We have all kinds of new brands, uh, several brand new uh, companies from the U.S. Uh, that nice, really nice pocket uh, folding knife, lightweight carbon fiber uh, based knives. And we even uh, picked up a vendor from uh, the Czech Republic uh, that has some great stuff. So we're looking around all over the world to uh, see if we can find interesting things for people to uh, come and look at, to check out on the website and to, to get their hands on. Uh, but we've also set up a gift registry uh, so that people can register for uh, you know, big events, if, whether it's their wedding or anniversary or Valentine's is just coming around the corner. So uh, that might be a great opportunity, too. Great. And people can uh, – I, I love coming uh, down to Sedalia to uh, Castlegate Knife and Tool, but people can get uh, – the, the wide array of everything is on the website as well, correct? Yes. Um, we the Everything that we have in the store, as soon as we get it up available for sale, it's on the website as well. Um, So if you're wondering if we still have something in stock or if we have something new, um, you can always check on the website before you drive down. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So what's that website, Hal Van Herkey? The website is uh, castlegate.com, C-A-S-T-L-E. G-A-T-E, one word, like the door of a castle, castlegate.com. Okay, well, Hal Van Herkey, thank you so much, and uh, you have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. Great. Thank you, Kim. Okay, thanks. And we'll be right back with John Eastman. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. 
Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us as we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Thrilled to have in studio with me Dr. John Eastman, uh, Trump's attorney, uh, constitutional professor uh, in Colorado right now regarding a lawsuit on our open primaries. Before we get into that, John, January 6th. I am I'm shocked at the way they are calling this an insurrection. I think most people have seen the videos of the everyday people with their Trump hats on being uh, welcomed into the Capitol, looking around. But then um, there were some bad actors that day. We don't quite know all of everything about that. But I think I hear there was maybe close to a million people in Washington, D.C. on the 6th. Uh, I've been, you know, I spoke uh, completely unplanned. There was a gap in time. The president was delayed in getting over there. And a call came in and said, can you and uh, Rudy get over here just to fill the gap a little bit? Because I think we had at least a half a million people uh, in front of the White House ellipse, um, uh, shoulder to shoulder in the standing room and, you know, shoulder to knee to knee or hip to hip in the Uh seating sections from the White House all the way across the mall all the way to the reflecting pool in front of the Jefferson Memorial. And then uh, the trees were um, uh, no leaves. And so you could see up the mall toward the Lincoln Memorial, about two thirds of the way up toward the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, and there were uh, evergreen trees more on the toward the Capitol. So I couldn't see quite how far mm-hmm. down to the Capitol it went, nearly two miles away. But I think at least a half a million people, enthusiastic supporters who watched with their own eyes something egregiously go wrong with the conduct of our election and wanted to register their protests, their First Amendment right to petition their government for redress of grievances. They were It was a lawful assembly. They had permits. Um, they had a parade permit to go down to the Capitol. They, there were even permits for a rally on the east side of the Capitol, all of it lawful. Um, there were parts of the Capitol grounds that had been barri- barricaded off as um, no longer public space for security reasons. The first thing that the the 14,000 hours of video that we haven't seen, but some of it is now leaked out, we see some... um uh, of people of questionable alliance, mm-hmm. <laughs> allegiance, um, re- not not just remove the barriers, 
but hide them behind bushes so that the people, when, when the larger amount of the crowd came in, they did not even know they were crossing some magical line from, from public space to temporarily closed but private space. Pe- but it's the people's house. It's the people's house, and, and, and one's accustomed. All of that area around the Capitol is normally open parkland. And so if there's not a barrier announcing we've temporarily closed us off so that if you cross this magical line, you'll be trespassing, people didn't even know that they were doing that. And particularly the people that you know, doors were opened and, and uh, Capitol in. Police were welcomed in. They're standing, you know, w- walking in line file through the through the cordons, right? <laughs> like tour and taking pictures, like tourists. The notion that this was some grand indirection when there were undoubtedly a couple of players that were trying to instigate it. They were, and people paid by news organizations to get video of violence so that that could build a false narrative. One has to ask the question: Who benefited from that aspect of it? And it certainly wasn't Trump. So why would Trump be the one involved in orchestrating that? I mean, you know, everything we were trying to do, which was to get a public airing of the illegalities in the election, went out the window when that violence occurred. So why would we be the ones involved in it? It just doesn't make any sense. And yet this is the grand narrative that's out there. But you know what? The thing about truth, John Eastman, is ultimately it wins out. So this last January 6th, I was talking to a millennial, and uh, he had seen the same video that I'd seen. And that is, you remember when Hornban went into the uh, the chambers? And you, you were thinking, oh, my gosh. But if you see the whole video, a Capitol Police officer is following him in. If, in fact, this was a resurrection, I would think that there would be a line of Capitol Police trying to prevent somebody from ar- coming in instead of following him in. Right. And this millennial said... That tells the truth. Yeah, exactly. Well, Winston Churchill once had a famous line, you know, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has an opportunity to get its pants on. (laughs) This this lie has gone, you know, to the Mars and back several times before we've had an opportunity to get the truth, uh, get the truth out. But the truth is coming out. There's a reason why the Department of Justice hasn't brought any of these actions to trial, because people that are not just copying a plea to just get out of this nightmare, um, uh, have access you know, legally to all of the evidence that the government has that it would exonerate them. It's called Brady material. And the government doesn't want to give them all that evidence because it will undermine this false narrative that's being put out there. Um, and and it, 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 the, 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 the insistence on reclaiming or holding on to power by putting out false narratives, we saw it after the 2016 election. How many years of angst did this country go through by a false narrative about Russia collusion? Um, we know that was false. They knew they knew it was false, and yet it was the it was the hook they had first to spy on the opposing political campaign during that election. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most egregious political scandals in our nation's history, and yet it's been completely co- uh, you know covered up. Um, uh, and yet it, it continued to pace throughout the four years of the Trump administration with the deep state, uh, the intelligence community. They actually believe that the president works for them rather than the other way around, and. You know, you saw that with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Finman's claim, well, the president didn't take our advice. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. You're supposed to implement the president's view. We elect the president. We don't elect you, Lieutenant Colonel, you know, nobody Finman. Mm. Um, 
Or, or there was a, a big scandal that the president wanted to name somebody different as acting attorney general at the Department of Justice. And it, this is collusion to overthrow the existing. Well, I'm sorry, the president's the boss. He mm-hmm. gets to decide who to name as his mm-hmm. acting attorney general. It's not collusion. <laughs> but, but this is this mentality that the, that the establishment uh, bureaucracy on both sides of the aisle, on both sides of the aisle runs things. And the, and the folks that are elected are just there to kind of be the titular head of it that have to take the input from them and implement it rather than being directed on how to act. It's a complete turnaround of our constitutional structure. So they want to talk about undermining democracy. That begins first and foremost, who's the ultimate authority in this country? And it ain't Lieutenant Colonel Finman, and it's not Adam Schiff. It's the first three words of the Constitution, we the people. And that's why election integrity is so important, um, because that's how we determine the direction of our government. And if the and if the direction of government that we determine at an election is thwarted by permanent bureaucracies, then we no longer control our government and we no longer live in a self-governing republic. We're at a defining moment in America. And as messy and complex as this is, there's this blessing that the truth is coming out on all of this. Uh, let's finish up with uh, January 6th, as, as you now call it, J6, because I guess you're getting to know it very well. Where's, where's that in well, your life? So, you know, they've subpoenaed everybody that had anything to do with uh, raising questions about the election, as if th- somehow that provoked what happened on, uh, at the Capitol on January 6th. And so... Um, they couldn't get the information from me because I've got attorney-client and other constitutional right privileges uh, that I asserted before the J6 committee. Um, so they subpoenaed my phone company. Um, uh, my, we filed a court action to block my phone company from turning over not just all of my emails, my, excuse me, not emails, my texts and my phone communications, but those of anybody else on my account. So my wife, my son, my daughter. <laughs> um, you know, it, this, is, this, Remarkable. Is what, this is what you call classic fishing expedition uh-huh. to try and find something. Uh, we, we have a Fourth Amendment that designed... This is like the old British king that... I don't know if there's any been crime committed, but I know you people well enough to know that you must have been committing crimes. So I'm going to issue a general warrant to allow my officers just to look at whatever they want, to see what they find. And then if they find any evidence of illegality or anything that can be portrayed as evidence of illegality, mm-hmm. we'll then bring charges. This is what the Fourth Amendment was designed to prohibit. Mm-hmm. And yet the J6 committee subpoenas are doing exactly that. They're massive fishing expeditions. When they couldn't get it from my phone com- company because of the lawsuit we filed, um, uh, they discovered that my emails uh, on my old employer at Chapman University had been archived, unbeknownst to me. When I removed them when I left that university, they were supposed to be gone. But they had, and they were going to turn over 94,000 pages of documents on my emails um, that, that were in the archive system without my ability to even review them for privilege. I ran a legal clinic at Chapman University. I had dozens of clients whose attorney-client privilege material were going to be in that cache of documents. And this was not anything specific to January 6th. Did Eastman have any communications with the Proud Boys or anybody that's been indicted or, any, or, or arrested? Uh, we wanted everything from November through January in any way related to the election. This goes after core political speech uh, in, a, in a very substantial way. Um, so their First Amendment rights, it's, it's like I said, an un, unreasonable dragnet looking uh, general warrant. That's Fourth Amendment. 
It's, it's, it's protected material that I've asserted Fifth Amendment privilege over. It's attorney-client material, so my clients are being deprived of their Sixth Amendment rights to have counsel in confidential conversations. I mean, they are shredding four of the, of the, of the, of the ten Bill of Rights uh, in, in their um, unfettered effort to try and build a, a narrative that will salvage the hemorrhaging on their political, uh, on their, on their, on their political aspirations. This is, this is egregious. Um, and by the way, if anybody wants to help, I've got lawyers in D.C., I've got lawyers in California, I've got lawyers elsewhere in the country helping. We set up a legal defense fund. Okay, what is that? And I didn't, I didn't do GoFundMe me because I didn't want them to unfund me. <laughs> I had thought, yeah, really, yeah. instead so, of GoFundMe, so, unfund me. So there's a wonderful site called GiveSendGo.com. It's a Christian-oriented site. You're allowed to make donations as well as give prayers of support to the people. Awesome. GiveSendGo.com slash Eastman. Go straight to my page. And there, people can see the narrative of what I'm dealing with and also links to news stories and my show on Tucker Carlson and, and Mark Levin and, uh, and others linked right there so they can kind of see for themselves what's going on. And if they feel so compelled and want to make a donation to help our legal defense, that would be great. If they send a prayer, it's heartwarming for me and my wife who are dealing with this. I know. GiveSinGo.com slash Eastman. Yes. Okay, great. Again, GiveSinGo.com slash Eastman. And I think... I think that's where the Canadian truckers are raising their money now since they got unfunded. They got unfunded from GoFundMe and they've shifted over there. And I have to tell them, uh, you congratulations, but they shut down the whole site. There was so much traffic over the weekend. So <laughs> mine, 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 uh, mine was shut down for a couple of days. So if people try it on that day, come back now. It's back up and it's running. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Ty, I know time is of the essence for you. You're in Colorado now because of a lawsuit regarding the open primaries. Tell us about that. So back in 2016, uh, with with very little opposition and outspent, I don't know, 10, 20 to 1, uh, Colorado passed what's called an open primary law. And that means uh, when the Republicans and the Democrats have a primary election to choose their nominees, unaffiliated voters get to impact that election. Um, now, I just want to make a point, because I've been doing a, a bunch of sleuthing on where's the money. Right. And it actually was a very influential Republican operative that ran those campaigns. Yep, yep. not a surprise. Uh, there, There is a wing of the Republican Party that, let's just say, likes the establishment status quo and doesn't like upstarts uh, coming from neighborhoods that you know raise questions about what they're teaching their kids in schools or the validity of vaccines or any they you know we're supposed to just kind of mask up and be like sheep mm-hmm. right and uh so there are a, there, there is a uniparty in this country some of them have d's after their names some of them have r's after their names but that like the establishment status quo and don't like we the people exercising our sovereign authority an open primary is designed to keep the people from exercising their exactly. sovereign authority um, and uh, uh, but there's constitutional rights involved. The First Amendment guarantees the freedom of speech. That the Supreme Court has said includes the right to associate with others of like views to um, magnify your speech. In elections, we do that through our political parties, and the political party gets to decide who their nominee is. It's one of the core aspects of that freedom of political association. And when I let people that deliberately choose not to affiliate with the party influence the outcome of who my nominee for that party is, and then put that party's name against that nominee on the general election ballot, it violates freedom of association and freedom of speech of the political party. Mm -hmm. And so we're bringing a lawsuit to challenge that. This was raised 
at the uh, Republican Party convention back in September, and unanimously on the floor they voted to authorize this this uh, lawsuit. Um, somebody has now said, "Well, I I abstained." Well, you didn't do it in a way that anybody knew it, so maybe it was uh, unanimous, but for one. Okay. okay. <laughs> but in any way, uh, uh, overwhelmingly, uh, the rank and file of the party authorized this lawsuit as an infringement on their constitutional rights to freedom of association. Now, some people have said, "Well, wait a minute, don't you want unaffiliated?" voters uh, to get out and support your candidates? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, but not by refusing to join us in our political party. What I've proposed is that send a, send a letter to every unaffiliated voter in the state welcoming their participation in our primary. All they need to do is sign up to be a Republican. But if they are so hostile to Republicans that they don't even want to have their name associated with being a Republican, then why should we let them determine who the Republican nominee is? You think? Yeah, you think? So there's a wonderful article that appeared last weekend as I was drafting the complaint down in the Aspen uh, Daily News. It was a letter to the editor said, all you unaffiliateds need to come out and vote so we can stop the, the Republican candidate we don't like. I mean, it just proved the point. It's exactly. an infr- infringement on the Republican Party's freedom of association. And that unconstitutionality is, I think, going to be challenging court and you know, maybe go all the way to the Supreme Court. But the law is so clear that I hopefully we can get this resolved in fairly short order at the district court. Sure would like to get this done before the 2022 election. Well, I wish we could. But uh, when that vote was taken back in September, I anticipated that we would be bringing the suit last fall. But uh, for whatever reason and delays, uh, that didn't happen. And we're now too close to the 2022 election to be able to reasonably expect to get an injunction against the rules that are in place starting mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that for 2024 is what we're looking for okay. to fix. So my concern when this all came down back in September was uh, there were people that, uh, as you said, it was unanimous, although uh, this whole open primary question was very robust and a lot of emotion. And my concern was is that the the people that are members of the Uniparty at the top of the Republican Party would slow this down so that we would not be able to get this done before the 2022 election. And now, as you're saying this, and I'm seeing the way these primaries are setting up, hmm, it's going to be really interesting. Well, it it, it is. And and they did slow it down uh, to that effect. There's a doctrine in constitutional law on elections called the Purcell Doctrine that says you don't get the opportunity to change the rules through court action on the eve of the election. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so we're looking at 2024, but we will have new evidence of the impact of this as a result of 2022. Okay. Okay. So that should be very, very interesting. And um, before we get to, I want to get the link on that as well. But the first link that we gave out was givesingo.com slash Eastman. Again, that's givesingo.com Eastman, where you can help with John Eastman's uh, legal, legal costs on that. And then as we're talking about this open primary. And again, I'm very frustrated. Uh, I felt feel like I was just clairvoyant that I felt that this was going to get slowed down and we'd not be able to make a decision <coughs> for the 2022 uh, election. But but we there are no coincidences. We we continue on. John Eastman, how can people help with this open primary? So we set up a tax deductible fund for that one. Okay. And uh, uh, we're running it through the public interest law firm that I run, which is affiliated with the Claremont Institute. Okay. And the website for this particular one is called ccjlitigation.com. And they can go to that website. There's a brief description of this fund. We have another fund on cancel culture and election reform there. They can either download a form to send in a paper check 
or they can make an online donation. And in either case, um, because we've determined that this is a matter in the public interest and fits within our nonprofit mission, it can be a tax-deductible donation to support this open primary litigation challenge. Okay, again, that's ccjlitigation.com, correct? Like charliecharliejacklitigation.com. John Eastman, anything else before we button up here? Well, uh, we had a lovely event up in uh, in Longmont last night with what I call our Boulder Underground. Eighty people came out to. And they are hear, awesome up there. Hear, hear what my wife and I are dealing with and lend their support, and it was heartwarming. And uh, I think people ask me, "Do you get depressed on everything you see going on?" And I said, "You know, I think there are eighty million Americans that have woken up to what." our centralized government is doing. We used to have this negative phrase called command and control government. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they're, they're unabashedly now, I mean, they even named their football team the commanders. <laughs> as if, I saw that. As if to vindicate, we run you, you don't answer to Isn't us. That- it reminds me of an old story when John Kerry reportedly cut in line at a premier movie opening. And uh, people groused behind him, and he turned around and said, "Do you know who I am?" And this and this uh, this blue collar worker from South Boston said, "Yeah, you're Senator John Kerry. That means you work for me. Get to the back of the line." <laughs> and I think our our political elite leadership needs to understand that the American people control their own destinies. We, the people, are the sovereign authority in this country, and. Um, We've finally grown tired of being told otherwise, and we are reasserting our power. It's an exciting time. John Eastman, thank you so much. Thank you for all you do, Kim, and uh, what a wonderful show, and thanks for having me on. Okay, have a great day. Thank you. And Abraham Lincoln's birthday is February 12th, and it is so appropriate to end this show with the final sentence in the Gettysburg Address, where he says, It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us. That from these honored dead, we have increased devotion to that cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.